And we heard how the bread of the Passover was called the bread of affliction. And that bread of affliction was a bread of remembrance, that they might remember the Lord's deliverance. It was meant to be a yearly reminder of the affliction of slavery from which the Israelites were saved. And it was that same bread, that bread of affliction, that in the upper room Jesus took and blessed and broke and gave. And as he gave it, he said, this is my body which is given for you. And like that bread of remembrance, the bread of affliction, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Now, affliction, maybe that's not a word that is used a lot in our day and age, but it's a word that is used very much in the Bible, and it's used often in the Old Testament. The Hebrew lexicons tell us that that word affliction referred to trouble, distress, poverty, and misery. And what we see in the Old Testament especially is this this concept, this idea of affliction is often emblematic of being under the wrath and the curse of God. The Exodus is to a degree framed in this way. Exodus 3, 7 The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And then the Lord saved his people from that affliction. And we know that the Exodus was a type and shadow of the greater deliverance that our Lord Jesus would bring. The greater deliverance from the greater affliction, not of slavery in a foreign land, but the greater affliction of the wrath and the curse of God. And it's a deliverance that our Savior accomplished by bearing himself the affliction that should have been yours and mine. The bread of affliction is a bread filled with significance. And so let's begin by thinking about that bread. Let's think about the name that that bread is given. Now again, we need to remember that the gospel writers all emphasize that it was in the upper room during the Passover feast. That's when Jesus instituted the new covenant sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Luke probably gives the most uh, broad picture of the Passover feast, but they don't go through it detail by detail. The knowledge is assumed. Matthew just says, as they were eating, and we are to know that that was the Passover feast. They were eating that Passover feast, and the bread that Jesus took was the bread that was part of that meal. And as he took that bread, 
he took it and he would both fulfill its meaning while at the same time giving it a fresh meaning for us in light of his finished work. The bread that Jesus took was the bread of affliction. Listen again to Deuteronomy 16.3. You shall eat no unleavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat with it unleavened bread, the bread of affliction. For you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, that all the days of your life you may remember the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. That bread of affliction occupied a a central place in the Passover feast. It had rich symbolism. It had sacramental significance. It was a bread of remembrance. It was to remind the ancient people of God of their salvation from slavery in Egypt. That God had delivered them from that affliction, that he had made them his very own people. And it was that same bread, the bread of affliction, about which Jesus said, this is my body. That's no mere coincidence. By taking the bread of affliction and saying, this is my body which is given for you, The Lord Jesus was signifying that he would take the afflictions of his people upon himself. You see, our affliction is removed and we are saved because Christ stood in our place. And he bore the affliction that was ours. That's why we read a portion of Isaiah 53. The Hebrew word affliction occurs multiple times in that chapter and it is used specifically to refer to Christ's affliction. The affliction specifically of the wrath and curse of God that he took upon himself for us. Listen again to some of those verses from Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Our affliction of sin, our affliction of the wrath and the curse of God that we deserve is removed from us because Christ took that affliction for us. He was our substitute. He was afflicted for us. And that image of substitution permeates Isaiah 53. It's clear as we read Isaiah 53 that that affliction, that curse and the wrath of God, it was not due to to the suffering servant. It was not his. It was not because of his sin, but he was the substitute. Verse 6 of Isaiah 53. The Lord has laid upon him 
the iniquity of us all. Verse 8, he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took that bread of affliction, symbolizing that he was about to take the affliction of God's wrath for our sins. He would take that upon himself. And in doing so, he would redeem us. And he would save us from the bondage of sin and death and hell. And I think it's noteworthy that in the Lord's Supper that we are going to observe today, that we no longer eat the bread of affliction. We eat the bread that signifies Christ's body given for us. We don't eat the bread of affliction anymore. We eat that bread that signifies His finished work for us. The bread that now signifies His affliction, which meant our salvation. So the name of the bread, the bread of affliction, is very significant. It is filled with gospel imagery. But secondly, what is also significant is Jesus' handling of this bread. What did he do in the upper room with this bread of affliction? Now, as we read the Gospels, for the most part, the Gospel writers record the actions of Christ and his life in, in very general sweeping terms. But every once in a while, we encounter these very detailed accounts. It, it is, we can liken it to the literary equivalent of slow motion. I mean, we, we know what slow motion is. If you're watching a, a sporting event or something like that, s- slow motion is used for emphasis so you can see every single movement. And that's what Matthew does in the account of the Lord's Supper. The narrative is deliberately slowed down for us so that we can notice every little detail. And Matthew, uh, along with Mark and Luke, they, they all note this. They tell us what Jesus did with the bread. He took it. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it. And the slow motion detail and the fact that all of the gospel writers record this, it tells us that these actions are very significant, that they are part of the symbolism and the meaning of the sacrament. If the bread represents the body of Christ, then each of these actions conveys something to us of his ministry in the flesh. So let's let's think about these. We we first read that he took the bread. Now that kind of might be a foregone conclusion, but the gospel writers tell us he took the bread. And that's because as Jesus took the bread, he took a body to himself. 
He took on flesh. He became incarnate. John says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's very significant for for the eternal son of God to bring salvation to the elect. He had to take on flesh. He had to take a body to himself in order to redeem us. In Hebrews 2.17, the writer says that Christ had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For us to be saved, for Christ to be the Savior, he had to take a body to himself. And so as Christ took the bread, he took a body to himself. But secondly, uh, we read that Christ blessed this bread. And the significance is as Christ blessed the bread that symbolized his body, Christ's body was blessed or set apart for service to God. Have you ever thought about, you know, we, we pray and we ask the Lord to bless our food. What, what are we doing? We're saying, Lord, set this food apart. Use it to strengthen me, to to nourish me. May, may I not just treat this as ordinary food, but may I treat this as a gift from you. And likewise, Christ was blessed or consecrated or set apart for his service to God. We see it underlined vividly at his baptism when he is anointed and he is blessed and he is consecrated for his mission as the Redeemer. He was set apart as the anointed one, the God-man, the one who would fulfill the saving purposes of God. In Hebrews 10.5, the writer says, When Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. A body set apart for service, for obedience, for affliction. But then he, he took, he blessed, he broke, and, or he took, he blessed, and then he broke. And as Christ broke that bread, it was symbolic of his body that would be broken or given as a sacrifice for sin. The breaking was symbolic of the affliction he would take upon himself. His body was afflicted. His life was given as a ransom for our sins. The affliction of God's wrath for our sin was borne by him. And we could say that the whole goal of Christ taking a body to himself and having that body blessed or set apart for service, the whole aim was so that he could offer up his body as the final sacrifice for sins. 
And so when we read of Christ taking the bread, blessing the bread, breaking the bread, we're reminded of his humiliation, his ministry for us in the flesh, his incarnation, his consecration, and his blessed sacrifice. The next thing that we are told he did was he gave the bread. He gave it to the disciples. And again, we might read over that as a mere formality and just make the assumption, well, of course he did. But the order is deliberate and it's there for a reason. He took, he blessed, he broke, and then he gave it. And the giving of the bread is symbolic of us partaking of the benefits of his affliction from his sovereign hand. The bread that we eat today, it doesn't represent our affliction. It's not the bread of our affliction. The bread that we eat represents Christ's affliction, his suffering. And it reminds us of the benefits that we receive because of his affliction. And the order here is very deliberate. The disciples did not take the initiative. They did not just reach out and take the bread. They did not choose the bread. Jesus first sovereignly gave them the bread. And this too is significant and it speaks to the sovereign giving of the benefits of his death. Christ died for a specific people and only those people received the benefits of his affliction because his body, his affliction is sovereignly his to give. So the name of the bread, the handling of the bread, and let's finally and more briefly think about the command to eat the bread. Now along with giving that bread, <clears throat> Jesus gives a command to take, eat. Take and eat. Christ gives us this bread along with a commandment to take it and to eat it. And again, therein is another connection between the Passover and that bread of affliction and the Lord's Supper. Because the Passover was a command just like the Lord's Supper is a command. This is, it's not something that's optional for us. The the commands to take and eat, these are imperatives. They are commandments given to us. And that means for us that careful and sincere observance of the Lord's Supper is required of us. It's a duty of obedience. It's, it's not optional. And the Lord commands it, and we know the Lord only commands things positively that are good for us. The Lord commands it because He knows we need it. 
It's the means that he has designed to bring about our growth in grace. And so today we should come to the Lord's table because he commanded it and because we need it. There's something else I think that's significant about his command to take and eat. Christ's giving of the bread, it underlines the sovereign distribution of salvation. It's Christ's. He, he, he gives it to those the Father has given to him. But we need to be careful as Reformed Christians here. Just because God is, the, is sovereign in the distribution of salvation, that does not mean that we are inactive. For our part, we are commanded to take hold of Christ by faith. We must reach out and take and partake of Jesus Christ. We must take and we must eat. And just as Jesus' handling of the bread was significant, these are significant for us. This is telling us of our need to feed upon Christ by faith. It, it implies an active participation in our growth in grace. And we could say, on the one hand, that it is God's Spirit who gives us the ability to do this. We don't sanctify ourselves by our own efforts. But this active pursuit of Christ in the power of the Spirit, it must be something that characterizes our life. And so when you reach out and you take the bread this morning, and when you eat it, don't miss the significance of those actions. Those ordinary actions should prompt you to a greater desire and love for Christ. It should remind all of us of our responsibility to more and more be taking hold of Jesus by faith. Taking and eating, and even taking and drinking, calls all of us to an active pursuit of the grace and mercy of Jesus. Now that bread of the Passover, like the bread of the Lord's Supper, was a bread of remembrance. That Passover bread was to cause them to remember the affliction from which they were delivered in Egypt... And the bread we're going to eat today functions in a similar way. It is a bread of remembrance. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And we now remember and celebrate a greater deliverance from a greater affliction. The mighty deliverance from the affliction of God's wrath from the affliction of the devil, from 
the affliction of condemnation, from the affliction of a bad conscience. And it's a deliverance that was wrought by the affliction of the blessed Son of the living God. And so as we come to the table today, let's remember that the bread that we eat and even the wine we drink, it's not symbolic of our affliction or Israel's affliction in Egypt, but they are both a symbol of Christ's affliction. It's the bread of his affliction. It's the cup in his blood. His body was given, his blood was shed so that we would no longer have to eat the bread of affliction. Because of his sacrifice, we no longer have to fear the affliction of God's wrath, of the penalty of hell. He was afflicted once and for all for us. He was smitten by God and afflicted. And because of his affliction, we can rejoice today that we eat the bread of affliction no more. And so today as you come to the table, I urge you to come with the eyes of faith. Look beyond the mere elements, but not only that, um, look beyond the mere human servants. You're going to look, and I'm sorry you have to look at me, but you're going to look at me and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless, or I'm going to take and bless and break, and Will's going to give you the bread. I would urge you with the eyes of faith to look beyond these mere sinful human servants, and with the eyes of faith, see your beloved Savior giving himself to you and renewing his covenant with you. And let us then respond today to him in love by taking and eating, by pursuing Christ by faith and rejoicing in and enjoying the benefits of his affliction. Lord, we ask that you might write your word upon our hearts, that you might use it now to prepare us to come to your table and to dine with you. We pray, Lord, that you might give us the eyes of faith, that we might see the glory of the gospel, the glory of the cross in this sacramental meal that you have given to us. Lord, lift our eyes to Christ. Bless us, refresh us, renew us through this meal, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.